are you a good friend? And if you are, how do you measure that? What makes a good friendship last? Statistics show that the average friendship lasts for 17 years. So how do you make that happen? The main topic of conversation in today's podcast is friendship. And what me and Hass realized is that it's a conversation that's not often had, at least properly. And so in today's episode, we do exactly that. Alongside the normal check-in, which is a deep one this week, and I throw a couple of meaningful questions at Hass. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. If you haven't yet joined us at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram, then come and join the community. And if you haven't left us a review on the platform that you're listening to this on, then please do that. You have no idea how much it helps the growth of this podcast. Hope you enjoy this one and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. We hope you're sitting comfortably because this is about to get uncomfortable. No, you don't. You said it to me on the train. In the I will morning. go back. I will go back and check. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, all right. Get start. off your phone. Get off your phone. Sorry, mate. That is, uh, that's my, my sex, seven, <laughs> sex therapist. <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> I don't have a sex therapist. Yeah. It's my 17 year old daughter is what I was oh, trying to oh, say. Uh, now I feel like shit, man. <laughs> uh, asking for money. Okay. Uh, how are you, Hass? How was your train journey in? Let me ask you first. It was good. I thought it was, you know, I think I've just won the day already because I thought I was going to get a later train and then be late. But then I got to the station and I got the right t- train. This is really you, boring. Isn't no, it? you haven't won the day because you were going to fucking be late because you weren't concentrating. And then luckily managed to get on the train to get here in time. It's all about me. It's not about your perception of when you're on the train. Serious question. Do you judge the fuck out of other people on it? Especially like on the tube. I don't. What, really? Oh, Not I did, even. I did, in your I head did a I little mean, bit today. I don't mean like openly go up to them and be like, you know, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. But don't, do you judge people in your head? Not just on the train, in general. I do, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, like very much. people say, I love people watching. Yeah. What they actually mean is, I love judging. I just love judging the hell out of people. I was they? judging, actually, on the, I wasn't on the train because I was busy doing stuff. So I had my head down. But on the tube, I started judging. Yeah, any any people Context? in no, there particular? Was, no, well, I was sort of standing up on the district line. I had, even had to raise my hand for the people that aren't watching us on video. I'm raising my hand just where I'm holding. What are they called? The dongle? Are they called dongle? handle, mate. The handle, it's okay. Handle. All right. And then uh, an older gentleman got on. Yeah. It's a young guy. Definitely eye contacted him and then just put his head down again. And then there was like young people sitting opposite as well. I was judging them all for not getting up. But oh, and not letting them, the yeah. man sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Did you give him your handle? He had a handle. <laughs> he had a side handle. I, and I had an, uh, an overhead So you were, you were righteous judging people? Yeah. Just because they weren't doing yeah. the right thing? Yeah. I'm and, on a bu- and actually, I went a bit further than that. Oh, go on then. I'd made a bit of eye contact with one of the ladies sitting opposite. Oh, what? And to, to sort just, of say, I I'm against went, that, yeah. I just shook my head. Did she get up? She then? didn't. I need to work on my eye contact. Why were you okay with her sat down? I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't hurt. I was like shaking my head at her. Oh, as if to say you should get up. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Do you judge oh, anyone? Oh, you think I was being a little bit like sexist there? No, no. Yeah, I thought you was like looking at the lady sat down and say, "Look at these younguns not getting up no, for the elderly was, gentleman." Yeah, I just need to work on my side eye a what, little bit. I think. What was he sort of like your age or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little. I bit saw older. someone on the tube today. Yeah. Wearing a beanie hat. But you know, like an oversized beanie hat. Yeah. Yeah. That you know that they sort of just comes down a little bit too far on the front of the head. And then, you know, loads of it's empty and it's all baggy at the back. Yeah. That shouldn't be worn in so 2023. It's like a beret right? the wrong way around. Isn't I it? judged him. Mm. You know, I actually judged someone getting off the train as well. Go on. It was, it's quite a grey day, yeah? You don't need sunglasses. What? He was wearing sunglasses. No, I'm down with that, mate. What, on the train? I wear sunglasses on the tube, mate. 
What are you I'm laughing leaving. at? I'm leaving. Why? Nah. I do I'm wear leaving. sunglasses on the tube. Why? Because like the light and that, if I'm a bit oversensed, yeah, like sunglasses, uh, noise cancelling headphones on, get rid of everything around me. Yeah, I'm sunglasses all of the, all year round, even when it's not sunny. You're fucking bang out of order judging people. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, who are you judging? Who else were you judging? I judge everyone. Not just bad, like I'll like good judge people as well. You know, like I'll judge um, uh, someone that I think looks good. There was a lady on the tube today that had like a tie dye coat, uh, over the head coat on with uh, some Doc Martens on. Mm. And I thought you're rocking it. You look good. You're in my category of good looking people. In your, as in you share the category with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously you're very I'm, arrogant, I'm the you? pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> I've only because did we talk about these last time my rings that I've got on my hand have we talked about them yet we talked about them offline so when I got these it was a bit like when a young person gets a new tattoo I was a little bit like I would very clearly hold the handle on the train because I wanted people to see my new rings uh, and the day that I got this is true right the day that I got them I made a video about I don't know I was making a reel where I was talking to camera I think it was about my uh, the latest breathwork or whatever uh, and I did it and I watched it back and I had to redo it because I kept, I did the whole thing with my hand in front of the camera showing my rings off. I used to do that when I was about 15, <laughs> when I had like this sterling silver bracelet and I used to, yeah. yeah. well you see like young people on social media doing it with a new tattoo on their arms, don't they? Have you ever, there's a good, there's a good TikTok I saw of a lad who's done a video and he's got his old hand up in front of his face and then there's these two like rusty old workmen that come straight on and they copy it. I haven't seen it, but no. I'll take your word <laughs> you for it. it. Yeah, I'll tell your word for it, Josh. Wow. Well. Uh, Has I want to start with a check-in today. Um, I'm going to start with it in a slightly different way, bring a new angle to it. Your word of the year was lead? Yep. Yeah, so that was like your um, word of the year. Where are you at with it? We're nearly at the end of the first quarter of the year. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel like you're doing in terms, with that in mind? Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I think I've spoken about it a couple of times uh, on the pod. So lead for me, I had to split it into two um, parts, self-leadership and then leadership of others. Mm -hmm. um, and th the priority for self-leadership was really around kind of sleeping and um, kind of getting the right structures and rhythms in place and sort of learning. Those were the sort of priorities for me. I think I've done really well, actually, pat myself on the back. Thank you very much. Yeah, arrogant, which I hate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think in, I would say, I think I might have said this to you. I think it, it began in, it, you know, at the end of last year in terms of me doing a little bit of self-discovery. But I would say that the last six months have been probably the, uh, like the, the the biggest self-discovery phase I've had in a long time, you know, and uh, and personal growth. So I think um, I would say that's going really well. And then the other side of the lead, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to be a better leader. Um, I recognize where my flaws are. In what are they? What's your biggest flaws as a leader? Because you've, just for context, just for perfect, anyone that might be gosh, li yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah, I know all about that. Um, <laughs> For context that people that might be listening that might not know, right? Your company has grown considerably in sort of recent years, yeah? yeah. You've had your business partner leave. Yeah. So now you're sort of a more in a solo space where you used to maybe share the leading in there. Um, and so you've grown quite a bit. What, what are, when you say flaws, what's your biggest struggles as a leader? Or your, your, yeah, your biggest negatives? I think the biggest impact that I have on the team is that because we're quite a small team still relatively yeah. um, that uh, we've, we've, we rely on each other to get the things done that we say we're going to get done. And I think because I have a propensity to always say yes to things and I want to be involved in stuff and I'm, we've already established on this podcast, I'm a bit of a control freak. I kind of try and get involved in too much. And the problem is, is that I, I'm so busy sometimes that I don't, um, deliver what I say I'm going to deliver. So then what happens is people, I think. To, to the to the people in your organization yeah, or to clients and people that you work for? Mainly the people in the organization, yeah. D like, and I think what happens is I say, yes, I'll do that. And then I don't do it. But because I think there's probably a bit of, I'm the boss, 
if I'm being really honest in my in my head, I'm not I'm not doing the things that you would expect a normal team manager to do, which is kind of renegotiate, recontract. And so I realized the impact of that is that it's slowing everything down. And I don't want to be that. But also, I don't want to be the guy that people start to think, oh, well, his word doesn't mean anything. So I, something that I've really started to recognize. And then the other thing is that I... Wait, before you move on to the other thing. Okay. I want to ask a question. <clears throat> um, what's the fix there? Is the fix to work smarter so you can get those things done? Or is it to say yes less? As in say no sometimes? Both. But great question. Great insight. Yeah, both. You've got to work smarter. So that's where I was going to go on to. Um, but saying no to more. So yesterday was a perfect example. I was about to go, I'll do that. It was like a, changing a quick thing on the website, which I know I can do. Yeah. But actually I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. What's the main reason you say yes when you mean no? I'm, I like helping people. I like to be involved. I'm a control freak. I think I said all those three things before. But predominantly, I just feel like I'm Superman and I can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't. Yeah. And there are better people. So what around. drives that though? What drives that uh, feeling like you're Superman, like you can do everything, wanting to help people? That's like the resulting action. That has to be a reaction to something. I think inherently, deep down, I'm a people pleaser and we were raised as people pleasers. Yeah. Okay. But it just, it just shows up differently now. Yeah. Shows yeah, yeah. up in leadership. Whereas, but deep down, just, we were... You know, yes, people and people pleasers. Yeah, and if you just just quickly before you go on to move to the bit that you were going to go to that I stopped you, if you look at that like uh, sequence timeline in that sequence of events, right? If it starts at people pleaser, where it ends is with you being a uh, a letdown for want of a better term. You said, "I don't want to be that person who isn't a person of his word." Yeah. Mm. So it starts off as wanting to please everybody and where it ends is letting people down. Yeah. Yeah. But and, and but what it looks like in the middle is all those nice things that you said, which is I'm a go-getter, I get things done, I feel like I'm Superman, I want to be really, really nice. And so like, just for the listener, I think there's a big learning there in, if you go back to the beginning, stop the people pleasing and just say no, that might feel uncomfortable at that point and might let people down a little bit if they might be expecting something from you. Actually, if you trace where that ends, to, where it leads, you actually, you're much more likely to be those things that you are saying you are in the middle, nice, uh, showing up for people if you actually stop people pleasing at the beginning. Yeah, uh, honestly, the, I would say the, the secret weapon to personal growth is saying no more. Yeah. 100%. Like even today, you gave an example of where you said no to something. I won't give the kind of the specifics, but you said no to something. You had a moment, your people pleasing side would have, had you maybe lose an hour of productivity, yeah. but you said no. It felt maybe a little bit awkward in the moment, but then you moved through it really quickly. And maybe it didn't, it didn't even feel awkward, but saying no is, is a superpower, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, just quickly to give that example, I saw somebody that I used to work with at the train station. I had it in my mind, I was gonna do some work on the train. He was getting on the same train as me. In times gone by, I would end up sitting next to him and being really pissed off with him yeah. for existing, right? Because I haven't been able to say. And what I did is I chatted to him. And when the train arrived, I said, mate, I'm going to go and get on a carriage up there. This is my only opportunity to do some work. Good to see you. And off I went. Yeah. And it did feel awkward. Yeah. And even when I sat on the train, I was a bit like, ah, oh, catch him when we get off at London to make sure that you can say. And then I was like, no, I've done my bit. I've said hello. And it, that is a micro example yeah. of that saying no. Do you know what I mean? When I mean no, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to come back, before I go on to the other thing, I just want to come back and I'll say the, the, the benefit of doing self-leadership first is that it has given me more mental... So what that means for me is exercise regularly, eating well, uh, going to sleep like um, at a, you know, a good hour, getting good sleep, um, and just really kind of repeating that cycle until it becomes habit. Yeah. And that's what's really been happening and that's what I've been focusing on. The benefit of that is more mental clarity, more energy and faster decision making, which means some of the things that need to happen that have been dragging a little bit have been mo being moved more forward, yeah. more forward, more, more, more swiftly. Yeah. So that, that, that leadership phase of others is now coming into its own. So it kind of feels like a good time. And you raised kind of being at the end of the quarter in my mind, I've been like, okay, I've been really focusing on this journey, quarter one. The next yeah, yeah, yeah. two quarters is about that. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing around kind of, you know, the impact of me on others on the team is 
um, you know, I, I sort of, we do a lot of work around strengths. So, you know, I can spend ages to, talking to you about my strengths, but one of the, the opposite of that is drainers. So st uh, strengths are your energizers, the opposite are your drainers. And my biggest drainer is efficiency. Mm. So I love procrastinating. I love sort of saying, right, I'm gonna work on this proposal. And then I come down and go, oh, what's, what's I wanna listen to some music on Spotify. Mm. Uh, let me get a coffee. Oh, like, is Jude Bellingham coming to Liverpool or not? No. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, and let me do this thing that Josh has asked me to do, because basically I do all of his uh, strategic work. You're a good him. assistant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As well as a leader, you're a good <laughs> assistant, yeah. Um, and uh, so basically half the day's gone, you know, because yeah. I've been fucking about. And so I've really started to um, invest in some things that have made me much more efficient talked about last time I talked about time boxing, using different kind of ways to use email, how I approach my day. Um, and that's a work in progress. I'm not saying that's done, but that is definitely a work in progress and it's working. Yeah, 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 good. Good, was you gonna, was you gonna go on? I, I suppose that you've that covered it. that that yeah. was the second yeah. point, yeah. Uh, on my front, my sort of, I had a phrase really more of the year, which is like stepping into my power. I feel like, um, I have, I've really been doing that this year. I've had like, I had a real tricky period, which we've talked about, I'm not gonna go back into today, where my overwhelm and anxiety was quite high, right? And I just was going through a period where I feel like that sort of held me back quite a bit. Um, but I definitely, in the way that I show up, feel more and more like I'm stepping into my power. I did a big, um, I did an IFS session on breathing space, right? Internal Explain, family systems. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So internal family systems is, 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 is a growing trend now. Not trend, it's like a modality. It's really, really good. And we have a lady called Madeline who comes into breathing space, the community that I've got. And she did an IFS session. So what she did was a demo session. I might have talked about this before, but just to look at the impact that it's had now since we've done it. Um, and she talks to the different parts of yourself that exist. And in this demo session, basically she got me to close my eyes and she takes you on this journey. Uh, and she said, is there a part of you that's showing up most at the moment? And I said, there's a part of me that's like really struggling online with people that make me feel misunderstood or disagree with me, but not just disagree with me when they argue something against something. And I think I've not even said that, right? So we did this whole thing. And what I, what I came to realize through the work on that was that there was this part of me that I didn't even realize which, and we're gonna, this links to what we're gonna go and talk about actually, um, which was around friendship and some of the friends that I lost when I was quite young, um, when I started drinking and going down that route I went down. Um, and that realization of why that part of me showed up has, has helped me quite drastically to like bring myself back up to where I wanna be online. Um, because I've always like, with my struggles with addiction, right? Where I have problems with addiction, in most cases, once something's, I feel like something's got control of me, I'm very good now at just cutting it out. I go abstinent and I'm like, it's not worth it in my life. I'm gonna cut it out. And the two things that stick in my life that I kind of struggle with, that I can't just cut out, one is food for obvious reasons. Yeah. And the other one's social media because it's such a big part of my work. Yeah. If it wasn't, I'd cut I wouldn't do it. I'd get rid of it completely because yeah. of like the negative impact. So navigating that's been a big thing. Um but I do feel like I'm much better at stepping into my power. If you look at that journey from when I talked about Boris Johnson, do you remember the Boris Johnson post at the beginning of lockdown that we talked mm. about on the podcast? Mm. Yeah. And that was a moment when I said to you, I ain't fucking trying to please everyone anymore. I'm gonna go through this process where I say the things that I believe. And this podcast has really helped me do that and be better at doing that. Um, so yeah, like in, in terms of the word of the year, I think I'm doing all right with it, yeah. And what still needs, like what, where's the, let's say you've been on a trajectory that's that, if you wanted to get to the end of the year and push your trajectory significantly into stepping into your power, what's the shift that gets you, what's the turbo boost that gets you to like somewhere that you didn't even think was possible by the end of the year? Um, I, 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 like, I think it's more saying what I think and feel and allowing myself to be wrong, which is what I've always done, yeah? So I always allow myself to be wrong. So I had like a viral piece of content in recent week, yeah? And then you get loads of comments. It's hard, yeah? Because you get fucking loads and loads of comments loads of love and then loads of people just tearing hating you to bits, you. hating on me. And then you get this other pool of comments where I do engage with people and they say, so for example, on this post, at the end of it, I said, 
it was about cutting off abusive, toxic parents. And at the end of it, I said, you wouldn't see this in any other level of form of abuse. You don't see people pushed back into the relationship. Only happens with parents. And there were some people that were commenting saying, I love everything that you've said here and it's all correct, but that bit at the end is not strictly true because there's lots of different uh, places. You know, people are often pushed back to abusive relationships. So you go, oh, wow, yeah, I'm learning here. Like, yeah. I knew that anyway, yeah. but my words have power and I can see how that would. So I had some great conversations with people around that. Um, so it's allowing myself to engage in those kind of conversations because I really like them. How but do you, uh, let me ask, sorry to interrupt you. Some a post like that has hit what uh, you said four four million, million on Instagram, Instagram, yeah, Instagram, yeah, so and five million, just over five million collectively, yeah, over a million on TikTok, and so like comments will be in there thousands, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? How do you choose what to engage with? Are you checking? Are you seeing every single comment? No, that up? no. Yeah. So on my Instagram, for example, it will show priority ones at the top. And then, that, so that's one of the problems. Because if you engage with one, it'll bring them up. Then it keeps telling you and uh, they've replied. Okay, so okay. sometimes you can get caught so, up in a bit so of back get, and forth. You get the, the, the triggers basically to pull you back in. Yeah. Even yeah. When you're not even thinking about it. Anymore. Yeah. So there is a bit of that. And then it's just because so many are coming in, if you check your phone 45 minutes, you'll miss loads of them. Yeah. Because my screen will only show you a certain amount of them. So like I will in the moment respond to a couple of them. I try as much as I can to respond to people that have come on and really thanked me for it. I'll say something good. Um, and then I'll go on and I do, will create time. I'll go, right, I've got 30 minutes. I'm going to sit down and respond to some of the comments because that, that, that's important to me. Um, but it's hard. Sometimes you get caught in the loop of, like I got in caught, a little bit caught in a loop with a discussion with a woman on there where I'm fucking every, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I'm thinking, I'm going to go and see if she's responded and mm. I'm going to try and make her, mm. make her wrong, yeah? Mm. And that's because she was triggering me for yeah. whatever reason, yeah. mainly because she's probably toxic. But yeah, so that's, that's how you deal with it. But it's not easy, man. It's not easy. And I know I talk about this loads, but it's a big part of my life now, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. And also, I think um, what, what is interesting, I think, as an area for your growth is you can't, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. We know that, right? So yeah. you've had to do this, but you're now moving into a different zone, I think, in terms of the work that you're doing in the public space. You can't keep doing that. You can't keep getting pulled in. So you have to think about what's your strategy to deal with this, right? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I get pulled in, I'm not responding. I'm not, the way that I respond online is not, you wouldn't read it and think he's fuming. No, I don't mean do you know that. I, mean? I don't but even mean that. I mean, I'm talking about, management of time now you yeah. know what i mean that's what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. i think a lot of the sort of the the, the big folks now they, they yeah, yeah. jump in a little bit at the beginning and, and then, then they and move then they, on with and their then they life move on yeah which is yeah I, I, that's what i do in the most part yeah so your average post that does like the average numbers for me i'll post and then within an hour or two of it being posted i'll respond to a couple of comments and then it is sort of move on it's move on for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah man yeah Moving on, I, I do have three questions that I have posed to you. I don't know how much work you've done around them, but I am going to pose them to you before we go on to the to the topic of today. Uh, first one, I, I like this question. What do people misunderstand about you most? I wasn't fully sure about what the question meant. So can you elaborate a bit more? Fucking hell, you've done no work on this one. <laughs> that's that's a good deflection. <laughs> Give me a bit of a chance to yeah. think about it. So what do people misunderstand about you the most? So um, um, I might, uh, one of the understandings that I have about you is that you're uh, very well balanced and uh, really good at getting things done. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a misunderstanding, but. Well, I've somebody... just said it, it, it's. Uh, uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think two th two things that I thought about really. Num one's quite personal. Um, I'll come on to that one. I think um, I'm a I'm a very quick decision maker. Yeah. Right. So I will get I will move to a decision very quickly, and 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 I communicate that. You know, sometimes I'm, I, you know, I can do that, and I've almost considered other people's opinions before they've even spoken because I know their point of view, and I've kind of made a decision. But how that can occur sometimes, right, is that I'm just riding roughshod over people's opinions. Yeah, okay. and that's, there's probably a bit of truth to that if I'm really honest. But sometimes yeah. I'm going right. We've got to move fast, and we're going to go here. 
Um, and so I think the misunderstanding might be that I'm not considering people's, uh, you know, opinions or I'm, you know, moving uh, too fast, but actually that's what's going on. So I think, I'm not saying I'm right, by the way, I'm just saying that's what happens. That's a yeah, so the misunderstanding would be that you're not listening to my opinion and you're just running away with whatever you think, but actually what you're doing is... Processing fast. You're processing fast yeah too fast so that person sometimes because so what what we again what we talk about in strengths is a strength is a strength right but sometimes when you use it in the wrong place at the wrong time in the, uh um or too often it becomes something called a strength in overdrive and it has a negative consequence so even though decision making is a strength of mine sometimes i can use it in overdrive no that's a that's the that's such a good example because i have experienced that with you sometimes when you're helping me with something and I'll go to start answering something and then you know me well enough. So you kind of know my answer nine times out of 10. So you'll answer what I've said and move on. And sometimes I can experience that as fucking no has. Listen to me a minute. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But when you say it like that, it is that you're very quick and you know where we're going and we just need to get there. Yeah. Yeah. But I need to. The thing about strengths and overdrive is. I might think of it still as a strength, but the the impact of that is not it's not a strength anymore. So in those moments when you just need to be heard, you need to get out what you need to say, that needs to, we need to create space for that. Yeah. That's really important. And 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 that's why we talk about them being a potential weakness or or, or you know, a performance risk. Yeah. Because actually if you're doing it too often, you you lose people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause they don't feel heard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. My one is I've probably talked about this too many times, to be honest, but people feeling that I really have everything all together and that I live like this balanced spiritual life. Yeah. Uh, I don't really. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I've done a lot of work on myself, yeah? But I do think there's a misunderstanding that uh, I, when somebody says to me, like, I hope one day to, like, get to a stage of my healing journey that you're at, and I'm like... Don't fucking put me as the benchmark. I know, do you know man. what I mean? Don't put me as the benchmark. I think I do that a little bit. I, I sort of look at you and go, oh man, like does his daily routines, great family life, you know, works really hard, is is kind of moving through, like growing. Like, yeah, we, like, but, but I guess because we have our conversations, not only here, but outside, I know what a total broken man you are. <laughs> <laughs> what a total mess but you are. there's some truth in that, man. That yeah. I, I am still, yeah. I always say to people, I'm a mess. But no one's, per like, no, no one's perfect. And I think that's really important that people recognize. This is why I think you resonate with so many people actually, is because when you, when you look at you and, you and you're doing the work that you're doing, the humility and the vulnerability to say, you know, when you talk about your anxiety that day when you're in the utility room and yeah. just, you know, that was a huge moment for a lot of people. Because like they felt like, oh, somebody really understands what I internalize. Yeah, yeah. And like I do get like sometimes I'll share stuff with people like about that anxiety thing or something like that. And they'll go, what you? Yeah. I'm well surprised that happens to you. And I'm like, no, like yeah. proper. Yeah. yeah. I w Before we move on, I also want to sort of, I was talking about a personal one. I'm reading a book at the moment called Indistractable. And um it's really about how to, uh, I think I might mention it again last time on the po podcast, but it's re it's about how to um, understand your internal triggers before you take action. So you might blame sort of you overusing social media or mm -hmm. binge eating or whatever, but actually it's really about understanding your internal triggers before you do that. Um, but he talks about um, something called uh, uh, residual uh, beneficiary. And so basically when a company is being liquidated, the person that gets something right at the end which is usually nothing is the residual beneficiary right and he was talking about relationships and often our family or our loved ones or our partners or friends are that that he calls them the chump the residual beneficiary so you've given the best you've given everything to the world and then you you they get what's like the dregs of uh what's left in you and uh, and I think uh, how that manifests often at home is I'm grumpy, I'm, I, I'm sharp and grumpy and, yeah. and like I can have a bit, you know. So so when people misunderstand me, I think most people get the jovial, light, people pleasing, always give as much as I can. And then what gets left sometimes at home, which I'm not proud of, is I'm snappy and I'm short because I'm tired and I've left nothing in the tank. And so I think by, by saying that here, I'm almost declaring that I 
you know, I can't be doing that. You know, yeah. like it's got all due respect to all the people I work with and connect with. I've got that relationship totally wrong. Right. I think it's really common, mate. When I like with the organizations that I go into, when I talk about resilience, like I say to everybody, I guarantee almost all of you in here, give your best version of yourself to your work colleagues and then go home. You think you're being resilient, but all you're doing is saving up all the bad, negative, difficult emotions and taking them out on the people that you care about yeah. most. Yeah. And that there's definitely a part of me that always thinks, why can't I be like I am when I'm out floating about work? Didn't, why can't I be like that at home? Because sometimes I'm not, you know? And I think that's one of the hardest things, I think for a lot of people, and I think that's one of these things that's really common that people that people don't talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read once on uh, a, a post somewhere, I loved it. It's don't make your bad day at work a bad evening for your family. Yeah. Yeah, it's and so I think, and, and the way to get around that is you've got to get really good at transitioning. You yeah. have to just go, right, this is the end of this bit. I'm now entering into this. You place could take a mindful shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You? I should try it. <laughs> it works, by the way. Uh, I'm going to do one more of these questions, I think, and then we'll move on. Uh, so I'm going to do, you have a hundred million pound to invest in anything to make the world a better place. Where's it going and yeah. why? I love this question. The, the, in, the instinctual answer, instinctive? Instinctive answer yeah. was to just go, let's solve something that's a real need right now, right? So let's spend a hundred million to feed, you know, hungry kids. Yeah. But there's the, I think it's the Archimedes saying, if you give a, it's an old saying, but if you give a man a fish, he'll eat one dinner. If you do yeah. artificial eat for life, you know, and that can be extended to any gender, uh, right? <laughs> it was written a long time ago. But the philosophy is, I think, um, if I had a hundred million, by the way, that doesn't go that far anymore. But if no. we had a hundred million um, to invest, I would, I would, certainly put it into children, yeah. right? Because I think they are the possibility for the future. Mm -hmm. But what I would love to put that 100 million on is not just fixing a broken school system, right? But actually teaching skills, beginning to help them develop the sort of skills that where they can have independence from a much younger age. Mm. So if you and I were uh, taught entrepreneurship, if we were taught how to start a business, if we were taught how to network, if we were taught how to present in a particular way, utilizing all those skills, if we were taught how to code, right, when we were kids, all those things, um, at, you know, done at a base level, you know, um, I would love to invest in that. Yeah. So it's the government wouldn't because children would become too powerful then. Yeah. That's fucking one of the they'd, reasons they they'd don't kill, do it. They'd kill the children. <laughs> Mine would be the same, investing in children. I guess in a slightly uh, different notion, mine would be more about just getting more adults back around kids again. Like there's a real lack of emotionally available adults, I, rec I reckon for children, because teachers are like, so, excuse me, academically got their hands tied behind their backs of all the academic stuff, yeah. Um, I think you need more adults, like, you know, in an ideal world, one adult per 30 children, it's not enough, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there is a way of combating that without loads of money, and that's to take a lot of the academic pressure away. Uh, you know, Children's Mental Health Week is often in the same week that 10-year-olds are doing SATs tests. There's fucking irony in that, oh, in there. Man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And SATs tests, by the way, are to test teachers, not kids. D yes, absolutely. The thing about 100 million, as I said, is, you know, it's, it isn't very much, right? Yeah. And Yeah, let's say it was 100 Billion okay. dollars. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I think you can either try and redesign a structure or structural systems that don't work, and there's definitely a part to play there. But I just think empowering like young people to be independent, yeah, and have their own, um, you know, uh, you know, utilize their own independence for themselves and their families and their circles. Uh, and kind of, I just imagine better things would occur as a result of that. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help them to harness their own innate power. Yeah. Yeah, man. Right, the conversation that I want to go on to today uh, for the last part of this podcast is friendship. Hmm. I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have, right? Because when I started thinking about it and I started thinking about it more, it's not really talked about, like, in terms of... People talk a lot about love and that kind of relationship. So like your romantic relationships, but nobody talks much about nurturing like your friendships and stuff like that. Do you think that's a fair comment? 
I don't know about nobody, but I don't think... Absolutely I, nobody on the Yeah, planet. zero. <laughs> Just you. Only you thinking about it, yeah. Um, I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't think it's talked about uh, very much. I think partly it's because often it's kind of a nascent thing. You sort of grow up with friends. It's sort of you you hold on to certain people and you don't imagine we'll come on to some of that. Um, but it's sort of like it's not something that you almost intentionally have to put time into. Also, there's no money in it. Yeah, there's no money in it. Well, there's no money. Like, there's no, you don't sell, you sell Valentine's Day cards and presents. You don't sell yeah. friend. Friendship bracelets. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, the reason I got of it, just as a starting point, uh, I'm working on a important proposal at the moment that could have a big impact on me and my, the work that I do, right? So there's back and forth in with the people that I'm doing that for. And then one night it came back and I was like, I want to turn this around by tomorrow. And the conversation that I had with you in the evening you dropped everything basically. And it was like, we're gonna get this done this evening. You get this bit done, send it over to me. Cause I was, I'd got a bit overwhelmed with it, I think by that point. Send it to me, I'm gonna have a look at it, make like spell check it and all that sort of shit. And then we'll get it back and you can make sure that you get it off. And I was just like, wow, man. Like, you know, I've got that within like my family, as in, you know, my wife and the people that are close to me like that. But to have it in a friend, it's like quite a big thing. And I think as somebody who's only ever really had mates, do you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's really, I was like, fuck man, it's good to have friends like this. And I don't, this is the thing that I don't think is talked about that much, right? Um, building good friends in your life, right? And what that means. Um, so what do you think, like to, to throw out the first kind of question for us to both pick apart, what do you think makes a good friend? I think what makes a good friend is thinking of that other person as as close as family. Yeah. And and what what you know, good family because I know you not all family is good family yeah. which you talk about. Um but for me I would I would sort of, you know, of course there are differences between family and and friends, but there's sort of there's nothing if I can do it, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you or my friends. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think in those moments, I also, I bring a lot of empathy and I know, I know like A, how important it is. B, I feel connected to that as well. Yeah. Because I feel like I want you to be successful. And the other thing is I know that it's sort of the, it's, it's pulling into the part of you that is probably less developed than some of the other parts of you. Right. Yeah. And so, and it's some, and, and I think it's an area of my strength, like being able to write and create and, and stuff like that. So it was just, it was a very quick decision. Like, and I didn't even know you was going to talk about that today, but it's a quick decision for me to be able to go that, that, that of course I'm going to do that. We want to yeah, yeah, yeah. get that across around. And I know that um, also, again, that um, it's important to you to establish a strong relationship with those with that other party in terms of how reliable you are and how quickly you can get things over. So that was sort of feeding into yeah. that as well. Also, Liverpool were playing their second leg against Real Madrid and I didn't really want to watch that. Was it that night? Was it that night? Was it that night? Might have been. Might, have been. <laughs> <laughs> might possibly have been. No, I don't think it was because I was yeah. playing football that night. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might have been. It might have been actually. I actually pulled up, uh, I actually pulled up an article uh, that's, Got the 20 things that make a good friend. What do you think's at number one? And by the way, where have I got this from? It's a studyfinds.org. So, so. Yeah. Uh, Can you pull out a few that you think will be in there? Listening. Being a good listener is number one. Yeah. And then number two is listen to each other's problems. So yeah. they're the same thing if you ask yeah. me. What's number three? Number three, right, is... My first judgment of a person as to whether they're going to be somebody that I could get on with and be a friend to me. Can they have a joke? Yeah. Oh. It's, it's the ability. No, because I remember, I remember you've said that to, it, like, to me in the it, past. Yeah. yeah, but my big thing is not just can they make you laugh, can they have a laugh, it's can they laugh at themselves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know instantly I'm going to like someone if they start sort of taking the mickey out of themselves very quickly. I don't do that. You do, mate. There's lots to take the piss out of you for. <laughs> <laughs> Another one on there, always keep each other's secrets. Do you trust me with a secret? Yep. I wouldn't want anyone to see our WhatsApp messages. <laughs> no, Very clean. Very sober. Do you know what number 20 is? Uh, don't know. Pet sit for you. 
Yeah. Yeah, which I was going to do for you, weren't you? Were. It didn't end up doing it. Um, you were going to do it, though. I think I was going to. You did. You went as far as asking the wife if it could happen, and yeah. I think she. We said yeah. yeah. We said to you yeah. We would yeah. do it. Here's another one. This is big on big on you as a friend. Provide honest advice on an outfit. We've done <laughs> we've done a whole podcast. On we that. have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at that. I want to pick out one more. Hang on. I want to pick out one more. Uh, <laughs> motivate them to go that extra mile slash lift heavier when exercising <laughs> we haven't done that yet that's number 18 that's got to happen yeah and and uh take can you not out. be true friends until you've ticked all 20 off do you think? yeah no you're not actually proper friends until you've done that yeah. um always be willing to chat over some coffee or kombucha or kombucha <laughs> uh give them a lift home if they're stranded somewhere oh anyway. well we know um how that irks you if you don't get a lift Home. <laughs> I've never refused you a lift, though, have I? I've never been in a car with you. Have I never been in a car with We've you? We've never been in a car with each other. No. We? Not even a taxi? No, man. Okay. Weird. After this podcast, let's get in a let's taxi. Let's get, get in an Uber. Do you have Uber in Brighton? Yeah. Do you? We don't have it where I live. Are you joking? There's no Uber, mate. I don't even know how it works. Do you, do you have Domino's? <laughs> it's not that much of this okay. Um No, but uh, yeah, I think like coming back, I think uh, it's really, um, I think listening is rightfully number one because sometimes even as friends, like what you, you want to just kind of jump into giving advice, but so many times what I think we've learned from each other over the years is sometimes you just need to be heard, mm. just need to listen. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll say, can I help you out there? Or sometimes you go, just don't actually want any advice. Yeah. I just need you to listen. Just to be heard. Yeah. Do you still have any mates from school that you were mates with at school? Yeah. Do yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, like, I'd say one really, really close. Like, he's Really? Yeah. What? And you were best mates at school as well? We hated each other at the beginning. Really? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. were you ever mates at school? It's yeah, not like yeah, you yeah. sort of fell yeah. apart and then... Yeah re-met through a job or something like no, that. No, stayed no. mates yeah. consistently through school. Through school, yeah. So basically what happened was, uh, I would say we, we didn't like each other. It's just that he didn't like me. Uh, yeah, no, I can see uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously everyone falls in love with me eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, basically what, what happened was, um, we all went to Amsterdam when we were about 15. I don't oh, know yeah. how we convinced my, our parents to let us go to Amsterdam when we were 15. 15? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he keeps your secrets well. That's yeah, oh, one, he does. Yeah, one yeah, TikTok. Yeah, oh, he yeah, does, he yeah. said. Oh, oh, he does. Um, and <laughs> let's move on. Um, and then basically, um, we were coming home uh, from Victoria, and then we both got on the Victoria line. We're like, oh, you live this way. And then we sort of realized that we only lived like a short bus ride away from each other. And then that was it, basically. For, and that was when we were 15 and we're still best mates. Is he a Liverpool fan? He is. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I've mentioned him to you before. Okay. Yeah, but I just imagine, like, that's probably one commonality, right? That you have a reason to meet up with each other. More recently, anyway. <laughs> what you mean in the last four or five years yeah yeah because before that you weren't there was no big games for Liverpool was there yeah just cut every every, like, every game's a cup final every, yeah yeah well yeah he's other just than Champions trying League. to get from ninth to tenth yeah. or whatever, in fact tenth to ninth. we weren't together in the Istanbul cup final that was a bit of a miss on our part where anyway, did you watch that I ended up being at home by myself because we were supposed to meet somewhere it was just a weird experience and you watched it at home alone Literally by myself. Wow, that's like when Liverpool won the league most recently. Ah, they? They yeah, did it in front of no one. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have any friends left from school. Really? So I've got my mate Jonah went to the same school as me, but we weren't friends at school. We sort of became friends when when I was about nineteen, and he was a couple of years younger than me, actually, or maybe a year younger than me. But I don't have any friends from school, nah. But you got like what you got to remember is I had that weird place where I was like, yeah, up till year six, so last year of junior school, I was like one of the, I don't know how to describe it without sounding like rude, but one of the like popular kids that, you know, would have been a head boy, prefect, good children, not in trouble, you know, mixed with, I can't think of any better terminology at the moment, good people. Yeah, and then when I got to senior school and things started to sort of change for me and I started to get involved in drink and drugs, I lost all of that friendship group. Hmm. 
and then made new friends, friends that were yeah. hanging about down the park doing the things that I was doing. Yeah. So then like all them old friends fell away. And that thing that I was talking about earlier with the IFS, that was the big realization that I had about how upsetting that actually was to lose them friends. And I do now see and remember seeing them all go about with their lives and, you know, going on the trajectory of a quote unquote normal life as in leaving school, going to college, getting a nice career, then getting married, having children in, you know, I'm sure they all have their struggles and stuff, but like what seemed like relatively stable living environments. And I do like, I always, you know, I thought I do remember and I'd lost sight of it, but I do remember hoping for all of that when I was a kid but then losing it when I was like 12, 13. Yeah. And then of course, all of the people that I was knocking about with then, unless they're on the sober healing journey as well, which some of them might be, I was never gonna stick around and be there, like carry on being friends with them Yeah. once I got sober. So in 2012, when I got sober, I basically lost all of my friends again because yeah. they all met in the pub and yeah. I had to sort of change that course of my life again. Yeah. And I think it's only been in the last five or six years that I've actively worked on friendship where I've actually thought friends mean a lot. I always had the kind of like a, uh, like over the top, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, things where I would look after, I'd look out for you. Like if you had a fight, if somebody had a fight or there was some heat coming on them, I'd have your back. But I never knew how to care for people and like feel like I could let them care for me. That's only something that I've done actively. And I think a lot of men probably struggle with that. I think a lot of men don't have friends, they have mates. Yeah, what's the difference? A mate is you go and watch the football with them, you meet up with them and have a drink and whatever, but you don't talk to them about No stuff. deep, you don't go deep. Yeah, yeah, you don't share with them what you're struggling with. You don't care for one another in that way. Do you know what I mean? You'd be there perhaps even financially for your mates, do you know what I mean? If they got in bother that way or, or but they, they don't do the friend stuff. I guess that's kind of what we're trying to do with Uncommon Man, right? Is create that space where men feel a bit more comfortable to do that kind yeah. of friendship thing. Yeah, yeah. What do you think makes a good friend? There is like, there's the obvious stuff, but for me, it's it's probably a little bit deeper and spiritual than that, do you know what I mean? Like you, you just make. I think if you make a connection with somebody and you sort of let them in, there's a underlying knowing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if 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 people said to me, like, you know, why are you a good mate to me? I could list all of the rational stuff. You know, like you're there when I need it, and you do what you know. I know. I know. I could trust on you. I could ring you or knock on your door and bring you my darkest things, and I don't think you'd judge me. You'd be there to try and support it. But I don't know, it's more of like an underlying just knowing that like you got my back, like on a deeper level, do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the subconscious. Yeah, yeah. There's something, um, I think that's true. I think there was, we've talked about this on the podcast probably a few times where your first reaction to meeting me was like, why, why, why is, I don't, I don't know about, like, I don't know about this guy. I don't know yeah. why he's offering. Cause actually maybe you hadn't had that. Whereas I, that's how I've, how I operate. Yeah. So I probably met you with a different energy than you were either expecting to receive or allowed people to kind of. Yeah, look, I'd lived in a world where if somebody was going to, willing to do something for you in the way that you were from the off, then you fucking want something out of me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like why, otherwise, why would you do it? Yeah. That's kind of how I live. Yeah. yeah. And I think, so just to kind of bring that to friendship is I think there's probably moments where that might get tested for you internally. You go, okay, well, you know, what, what's, maybe not explicitly, but it's when those, when you keep coming back and keep showing up or whatever and you, and, and that becomes consistent in practice. Something about uh, my, uh, I think also, you know, just not to go too spiritual, all right, but I think the, uh, I think friendship for me it, it, it is about a deeper connection. It's about almost a spiritual connection. And I think one something that's always surprised me uh, and Jay is how we just always seem to be at the right place at the right time. None more so than I'm going to tell you this story, right? Um, I was expect we were expecting our first kid. 
like really nervous as you know new parents like really like anxious about is it all going to be okay and it's happening for the first time right so there was a lot of anxiety that was floating around am I going to be a good dad am I, am I going to be able to show up so I had a lot I was carrying a lot um, I'd only really learned to drive the year before as well so I was quite a new driver and we'd, we'd inherited a car from uh, it was like a it was a clapped out old Yaris um, and uh, we'd inherited it from um, Erin's sister and uh, and it kept like cutting out and we, we worked out that you know we went to a mechanic and you know there was a part that needed to be replaced so I ordered the part off eBay but then I didn't get so much going on and we were getting towards kind of um, uh, the birthday I just had it in my car and then one Saturday night I'm driving, a, I'm driving along a, a Wood Green High Road, which is a very busy main road. It's like an intersection in, in North London, and it's just very busy. On a Saturday night, there's a lot of traffic yeah, yeah. going through there. And and Erin's at home, very pregnant. Due, I think, uh, it was a Saturday night, I think she was due on a Monday, right? So, uh, so it was that close. And then basically, I'm driving along, and uh, the car just completely dies in the middle of traffic. Shit, man. In the middle of traffic. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like panicking now. Not really a very experienced driver at this point. I don't mm. know what to do. Cars are honking behind me. It's like I'm by myself. I'm like, oh my God. Like, what would I do? What would I do in this moment? So I was like, all right, let me call, let me call Jermaine. Yeah. Because right? like he because his mum didn't live that far, but he lived somewhere else. I'm like, maybe. I'm standing outside of my car, holding up traffic, and I'm calling him. I'm like, Jay, man, I'm I'm stuck. The car's died i'm in wood green i need your help and he's like oh, i'm in wood green yeah i'm like what he's like oh, yeah i'm in wood green and it, and then he's, he's literally driving past me on wood green high road at the moment i'm calling yeah him. that's mad isn't it i can't put i can't explain that but yeah. that is just one of those things that i just think sometimes you're just meant to be connected with people and that's why we've been friends for you know yeah, and I think that's the thing that I'm talking about, right? That connectedness. I saw something recently, and we're going to finish here on this bit, that when something changes in you, when you have a change of energy in you, it can affect, this is going to be fucking way off what actually, the quote I saw, it can affect like a star, like the atoms and the movement of the way that everything's connected oh, there. I saw something like that, the ripple effect of... Yeah, man, yeah. I can't remember like exactly what it is. But we do forget how connected we are. And I do, you know, I believe in all that kind of spiritual sort of stuff where you go a bit deeper and people are more connected than you realise. You know what I mean? And I think that's what it is. And the more that you get to know yourself as an adult, I think you deepen those connections with the people that really matter, don't they? And your circle goes from being big to probably getting a lot smaller, but like with closer and more meaningful relationships in it. Yeah. Good, mate. I enjoyed this um, and look forward to getting out. Uh, and we'll see everybody in a couple of weeks. See ya. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle.